Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks again for joining me for Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. Today, our topic is how to protect your child or loved one from leeches and bad influences. And I have some um, parents and actually a sibling um, that's joining me on this particular podcast. And so the question or the, I guess the opening um example I'm going to throw out there for you guys to um, chat with me on is examples of times where your loved one has um, been socially preyed upon and sometimes in Allison, your case, financially preyed upon by bad influences. So Allison, do you want to start? Sure. So with my brother, um, he was in a car accident and he, um, he is has a brain injury because of that and um, so developmentally he's behind uh, where he should be and um, but he looks and walks and talks you know like like his regular age uh, so some of the things that we struggle have struggled with is um, people do take advantage of him uh, they will ask him for money. They'll ask him for loans, quote unquote, um, and then never pay him back. And because of some of his memory issues, so the short-term memory issues that he has, um, he will loan that money out and forget about it. And we've had a couple instances um, where that's occurred. Um, one where it was a male friend um, who he actually went to high school with and then they had reconnected and we had, um, we kind of saw what was happening from afar because we kind of always keep, uh, close tabs on what's going on with him, with my brother. And, um, we could see the kind of some of the things that were happening, but it's really hard because they don't see it. And it took a lot of conversations and, time and patience and just being intentional about that those conversations and and for us to uh, kind of show him the pattern of what was occurring it wasn't easy for him to see that pattern but uh, we could show that pattern to him um, by asking questions and um, just being intentional about hey where did you know you spent your money where did it go Oh, you know, I loaned it to so and so. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. You know. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And why? And was that the first time you loaned them money? Well, you know, I don't remember. Or, well, no, I think I've done it before. And and then kind of keeping notes, even that we could go back and say, "See, look, we wrote, we took notes, and we wrote it down." And and uh, he would go. Oh, okay. And eventually you could see that pattern that was developing of what was happening. We could show him that this was happening over and over again. 
Um, but it's hard. It's really hard because they, they see the best in people and they want to trust people and they want friendship and companionship and people use that against them. Yeah, Um, I completely agree. It's that whole like companionship. And I met your brother, um, one summer, a few years back and I took the kids down there and it was so, you know, he was so great with my son, Caleb, because he raises chickens and Caleb Mm -hmm. loves chickens. And so, um, your brother was so great and was out there for the longest time and letting Caleb like chicken wrangle some of his birds yes, because yes. for lack of a better term, you know what I mean and he was like showing him some strategies of how to catch the birds like just grab them by the bottom of the feet anyway um right. so right you could just tell that he really he's very social and he really wants to connect with people and so that's hard because you certainly don't want to take away friendship um but yet unfortunately they get preyed upon um, right Allie, like, talk to us a little bit too. Like, has this happened for him when it comes to like, um, like relationships, like intimate relationships with like, with women? Yes. Um, that's, that's also occurred. And, um, again, it's very hard because what he saw was someone who was giving him attention, who was showing him kindness, love and affection from his standpoint. Uh, but from the outside looking in, we saw that that individual was taking money, taking, um, you know, having him buy things for them, um, having him pay for uh, gas for her and her family members, uh, buy groceries for her and her family members. Weren't they also getting into the pattern of going to like casinos? Yes. Yes. So just a lot of like uh, different ways that they would manipulate him and get him to pay for things. And, you know, usually there was some benefit that he was receiving in that they were taking him with them. You know, he was having a good time, but it went beyond that and where they were really, you know, taking advantage of him uh, beyond what was reasonable, you know, and beyond what was fair. And I think it got to the point, you know, where he would offer to pay for things so that he would be invited, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, that was part of it too. And, and that's really hard because they're, they're oftentimes lonely and, uh, a lot of these people know what they're doing and they're very good. And, you know, they prey upon, uh, these people who they see as, uh, defenseless or um, or easily preyed upon. And, you know, he's been taken advantage by a few different people over the years, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and we've had to learn a few, a few ways to manage that, you know. Um, so what are the most effective ways? I know that at one point you, your mom actually went and got a restraining order against. Yeah. One so for one of the individuals, which was the uh, male friend from high school that he had um, gotten back in touch with. Um, He actually had, yeah, we had to file a restraining order. Uh, We had to, um, you know, complete the legal paperwork, get a a lawyer involved to help to make that relationship end. Um, Was that with your brother's consent or against his consent? Um, that one was with his consent. Yeah. It took some convincing, but when he finally saw some of the things that were happening, um, again, it took time and it took us being patient and 
uh, you know, keeping kind of a written record of what was going on and talking to him. And another thing that we did with, um, with my brother's assets is they were in a trust fund. And so he didn't have access to those assets. Uh, it had to go through my mom or I, mm-hmm. and we would give him a cash allowance per week. And that way we could tell where the money was going more easily. So it, before that, we weren't doing that. <laughs> he was getting a monthly kind of allowance and we ended up switching to a weekly because then we could really carefully know like, well, did you buy gas? Did you buy groceries? Um, a month was too big of a time frame to keep track of, whereas a week was, was easier and he could keep track and he could also, you know, be able to tell us what he spent it on. If we tried to go back and recreate a month with him, that would have been really hard. Sure. So, yeah. And I have to tell you, um, Allie, I really appreciate just the fact that you and I were friends because it really knowing and just, you know, being part of your life and knowing some of these challenges when they came up with your brother, when I went and had some estate planning stuff done for my family, just in the event of an early death, um, you know, yes. we set up a special needs trust for Caleb and we were really specific about some of the language in there in terms of how he could access his money, how frequently the specific things that he could request money for. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was all of that was based off of, um, you know, things that I knew that your family were, you know, having to deal with over the years, mm-hmm. when it comes to unfortunately having to protect them from, you know, leeches, financial leeches, you know, when you're talking about, right. you know, especially if they have, if they have assets, you know, if they have some financial assets, which is just, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so has it gotten better with your brother over time? Is he more or is, is he more conscious of that as he as with time because it's happened numerous times? Or is it something where you're still having to it's an ongoing conversation and just um, do you still manage his or give him his allowance weekly? No, we've actually been able to um, over time through kind of educational efforts on the part of a couple different people, my mom, myself. And other people that he respects in his life, we've been able to um, to kind of educate him on on some budgeting and some money matters. And he, at this point, you know, he we're back to doing a monthly allowance, and it works fine. Um, but it took him learning some of. Uh, you know, some of the things the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> and frankly, he's become a, a little bit more uh, leery of people, not in a, not in a bad sense, but uh, he definitely um, isn't as like gullible or uh, willing to just accept people's uh, whatever you want to say, friendship sure. or, um, whatever right away so he like most of us do he you know he allows that relationship to develop a little bit more before he is as giving and for and fortunately he found a um a gal that he um is friends with now and um she's she's great and they have a lot in common they like to go do things like watch movies and and watch sports and go uh, watch eat and do those different things. And they can do those together. And uh, she's very nice and kind to him and has helped him too with, you know, with his budgeting and stuff as well. So there are good people out there, fortunately. Um, 
it's just finding them and uh, finding people that they care really about them and not about their money. <laughs> Genuine <laughs> and their person, not the money. Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree with well, that. Was so my next question. Is, that was going to be my next question. Tell me there's hope. Tell me that not every single person that meets your brother is a, is a, you know, no, there is hope. Yeah. And it does get better. I think there is, um, you kind of start to develop, I think, a re- well, at least we did. We found that we developed a rapport and the things that happened, it was like, well, remember this. Remember when this happened? Yeah, we don't want to do that again. Oh, yeah. You know, so there was, there's a lot of this back and forth conversation that would occur. And, you know, he doesn't want to be taken advantage of either. And he doesn't like the way that feels. So he, I think um, a big thing for us is just developing trust with him ourselves, you know, making sure that those lines of communication are open. Um, and I think a big part of that too was making him feel like he had a say in things. So when it comes to their financial status and their money, um, letting him have some choices, you know, within some parameters, like there's some extra money this year. Do you want to go on a trip here or do you want to buy this for your house or, you know, what, what's important to them so that they do feel like they have a buy-in and a, and a say and everything's not just being dictated to them. Yeah. No, I think that's really you know? good advice. Thank so, you. Yeah, and tr- trust funds are great. Um, there's different financial things you can do legally that can protect assets. And we've used those so that um, his access to that money and his assets is limited. Um, so even if someone does try to do things to him or, or you know, bamboozle him or whatever, um, the majority of that is protected and would require uh, one of the trustees to help to get it out, you know? Sure. So, so highly recommend to, the the special needs trust. So, yeah. Yeah. And finding somebody that knows something about that, like a, either a financial planner or a um, attorney is really important. That can kind of, once it's established, it's not as big of a deal, but getting it established, you want to make sure you have the language in there and, you think about trustees and and how those will transfer down the road. And like you said earlier, some of those specifics on how money gets taken out or yeah. how much at a time or how often. <clears throat> That's so true. And obviously your situation is a little different, you know, because your brother has a brain injury from an accident. For Caleb, you know, spending, you know, setting up a special needs trust is difficult. It was yeah. hard for Caleb because we don't know what his final capacity is going to be when he's an right. adult. So we have to, so in ours, just so that, you know, if somebody's listening and you're concerned about, oh gosh, you know, I don't know, you know, it's really important one to have those things in place. So in the event you pass away and, and yes. money is going to be a result of like, you know, assets or, you know, life insurance money, it's important to have yes. language in terms of how that you want that set up for your special needs child. But we put mm-hmm. in language because we don't know what his final capacity is going to be. So we put language in that right. basically says that he can exit the special his he can be released from the special needs trust and he has to meet certain criteria, meaning that he has to be able right. to maintain um, three years of consecutive um, employment where he's able to support a hundred percent of his living expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that way, if he is, you know, like very successful, then he can have, he can exit the special needs trust. And then the money is set up just like it would be for the other kids when they turn of the appropriate age. Um, so right. yeah, so I'm with you, like get, 
there's, you know, financial planners and attorneys out there that can help you navigate all of that. But don't think that, you know, you set those things up when they, you know, like you have the money in an account or that they turn 18 and you have to start planning because you can actually, you know, even if it's not funded, you can still have language in your will um, to make sure those things um, are set up. So. Yep. And that's how uh, my brother Craig has two trusts, one from his car accident. um, And then one from my dad passed away at an early age. And my dad had the foresight to set that up for him. And so the assets that, um, that my brother received when my dad passed away were put into that trust. And that is one of the trusts, you know, that provides, provides for him still to this day. And, um, yeah, so it's very important to plan ahead because you just never know what's yeah. going to happen. So true. And um, and it protects it protects them too, you know? Yeah. And that's what's really important um, at the end of the day. Well, thank you for joining us kind of at the last minute. I'm going to go ahead and let you hop off, Allison, and I'm going to interview the rest of my guests. But I really, um, as I was sitting here getting ready to go live, I was like, <laughs> oh, man, you know who I should have asked to be part of this? Because it was just like, I learned so much, unfortunately, from some of the struggles that your family went through. So while be it, it was kind of a bummer at the time, just know that I appreciated the fact that I learned much from just you being open and honest about that. So you're the best. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. So let's start with Jerilyn because your internet connection got lost. And so I want to make sure that we, if for some reason it goes down again, um, <clears throat> we still are able to capture. Um, can you share with us, you know, give us a little bit of background about you and your family and then share an example of a time where maybe your child was socially preyed upon or maybe it was, um, you know, had, you know, bad you know, influences, I guess, is really the best way to put it. You know, I feel fortunate that he really, at least to my knowledge, really hasn't had that. So Elian is 12 now. He just entered middle school at the beginning of the school year. And now he is homeschooled and, you know, involuntarily homeschooled. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And he's not happy because as we said in another podcast, he wants to delete COVID. Yeah, he wants to delete COVID and he has to go to school every day. So um, actually, I think he quit asking the past couple of days, but he's able to talk to his teacher and everything, which is really nice. But um, yeah, so he's 12. He is level two. And he right now, he doesn't have a ton of interest in other people. So he's not super social with other kids. Um, the few times he does try to go and talk to other kids, it's, I don't think they always realize what he's trying to do. So, and then luckily the kids that have befriended him in the past have been like really like upstanding, great kids with like good leadership skills. And they just kind of see Elion and they see that he might be like in a vulnerable position and they've taken him under his wing. So I remember a kid from elementary school that would do that and they would hang out in the morning and um, she, it was funny because they would hang out with some other, some younger kids and Elian ended up helping like the younger kids with their math homework, which was really hilarious. Wow. Um, I like it. So, yeah. So luckily he hasn't had those kinds of influences yet, but um, so I'm, I mean, I know I'm going to learn a lot just from hearing, especially like the things that I know you have to say with like your kiddos. Um, but the things that I do have to, I guess, protect him from are like the internet to be perfectly honest or like YouTube um, or just 
things that he hears out in public. Um, Cause I think Tanya mentioned this kind of when we were just talking before we were recording too, is my son, he does copy a lot of things um, and he doesn't know when something is necessarily like inappropriate. So if you look at the random, like, iMessages he sends me from the iPad, you'll see you'll see the word hump a lot. And I'm not really sure where he gets like where he gets it from. But he'll just say like random like hump blocks or just you know weird things like that. So it's hard for me to explain. I'm like, well Elliot, that's I don't think you mean it in the inappropriate way, but people might think that or if he says it like when we're walking down the street or you know, before, you know, when we could go out into the world, like in the grocery store or something, um, I'm like, people are going to, I don't know what people are going to think. So those are, I guess those are the kinds of influences that I kind of need to explain to him and protect him from, because I don't want, I don't want people getting the wrong idea for one thing. Right. That's a little tough to explain while he's talking around saying hump this or whatever. I mean, that's, I don't know, but it's like the past. If you look at our text right now, I mean, I swear like the past like week has been hump something or another. And I'm like, what? Like, buddy, don't say that. When I tell him not to say it, he wants to say it even more. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't know if I have a, a good way to explain to him the other like connotation of that word yeah, and why he shouldn't be using that. Yeah, I mean, at home, it's one thing, but I don't want him using that. Like, you know, if he ever gets to go back to school or, you know, just out in public yeah, at all. So, or, I mean, just things that other kids say, he'll, he'll pick up on those kinds of things too. Um, oh, music. Like we'll hear this song in the radio and he'll just start like shooting off lyrics and start singing the songs, which it's super cute when he does it. But when there's, you know, you know, profanity or anything in it, um, one song even just says hell. He's like, don't say hell. And he says it all smirky like because he knows that I'm like, I don't want you just saying hell. Like if you're talking about like heaven and hell, that's that's a different story. But he he like he knows he's not supposed to. So he like smirks and snickers see and that's the hard thing too caleb now is a little bit more self-conscious of just you know he's starting to hit he's you know that tween puberty age and so now he doesn't like having any attention brought to himself but before when he was a little bit smaller you know when he would say something people would snicker and laugh then of course it's kind of like oh i got a reaction and so then you just keep saying it because then you know not necessarily because you know or understand what it means and why it's funny but because it made you you're getting attention yeah and people wanted to hang you know or laughing and he was getting some you know attention so then you know like that sounds like a great option so um you know having to do a lot of conversations and depending on your child's you know level of you know cognitive understanding you know, like what you're saying, how do I explain to my level two kiddo about humping? Yeah. You know what I mean? Aside from you, Jerilyn, <laughs> demonstrating what that is, which I would probably say not, maybe not do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know what I mean? That's a tough one. So it is because I mean, I know with like my, my other son with Emmanuel, I always tell him like, you know, I'm really honest and very open with him. And I'm like, you know, anything you hear about from your friends, you know, whatever it is, if you tell me, I'll tell you the truth. I'm going to try to probably put it at like, you know, an 11 or 12 year old level, but whatever it is you hear from your friends, I don't care what it is. I'm going to tell you the truth about it. So you, so you know, the truth. Um, and just so we have a good relationship and I want him to like, I try not to monitor everything he looks at on the internet, but I'm like, 
put it kind of that responsibility back on him. Like, Hey, you know, if something is inappropriate, you know, if you're, if you're questioning it at all in your mind, then you know what, it's probably not a good thing for you to be watching. Yeah, completely. Probably not a good thing for you to do. And if you're not sure, just come get me and we can talk about it and why it might not be appropriate. So I'm really open about that with my kids. And I'm, I mean, I'm the same way with Elian. I just, don't always know how to explain it in a way that is going to make sense to him because I can't always tell if he's comprehending it. I mean, sometimes it's really obvious and he, he understands, but other times he'll just, I don't know. He'll just kind of give you lip service and say he gets it, but I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Yeah, no, I hear that. What about you, Tanya? Um, We were kind of, before we went live, it was true. You were, you know, commenting and kind of when Geraldine was sharing her story, you're over there nodding in your, um, your square on zoom. Um, Like obviously some of your experiences are similar. Yes. Especially with like um, the internet, YouTube, um, video games, all of that. Like he also is really big and he'll copy things without realizing that it's inappropriate. And I'll be like, where did you hear that from? And he'll tell me and I'll be like, okay. And so we actually put a ban on YouTube for a while because um, I couldn't, unless I was right there next to him, because that's like YouTube, anyone can put anything and you can't exactly monitor it. Yeah. It's really difficult. Yes, it is. I will say he is allowed to use it now because he's gotten better at being a little more self-aware of what's okay and what's not. And lately he's just been watching Sonic video games on YouTube. So I was like, okay, that's a safe thing. Yeah. Yes. Completely agree. We have a little system with Kayla because we've, you know, this is just not our first rodeo um, that, you know, we deal with some of the safe, the similar things, but um, unfortunately we have, um, other influences, you know, the whole YouTube video is really difficult. Like, cause he, you know, I think it's, I think it's a universal thing. Kids, I think all kids are obsessed with YouTube. Um, I, I think maybe our kids on the spectrum are maybe just a, a little more obsessed with, um, YouTube, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, what they're watching, you know, unless you're constantly there, you can put all sorts of parent controls, but it's amazing how much can slip through those filters. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then even with the kid version of YouTube, I still find that some things, some of the butt toilet humor, I'm not a huge fan of. So, um, we had to kind of go through this whole, um, process, um, of, you know, it's a check system. So before you can use it, you have to have it cleared by somebody, a trusted adult in terms of, you know, before you, if you hear it in a YouTube video, you need to test it out, make sure that it works um, before you go out there in the public and use it at school or in a conversation, because like, you're absolutely right. A lot of times, you know, what they see in a video doesn't actually roll out in regular, like life and conversation in a functional way. Um mm-hmm. And, and so that was, you know, we struggled too, you know, even with Caleb and, you know, he's, he's 12 now. And, you know, there's that whole problem of, you know, kids start, you know, exploring and wanting to test out profanity. And I don't mean like, you know, hardcore profanity, but I just mean, you know, like, ah, crap and things like that, um, or damn. And so it's one of those things where, you know, I want him to fit in with his peers, but again, Um, unless you know how those words are actually used and when to use them, it just doesn't work. And so, you know, I did actually spend time teaching Caleb how to use those words. Um, but we had a checks and balance system in the sense that I know some people are just thinking I'm the worst parent in the whole world, but 
you know, like first you have to trust, you have to run it by a trusted adult. And I say adult because your buddy at school is probably not going to give you like a real good steer on whether or not it should be used. They're going to tell you that it's fine just because they want to see you do it and then watch you get in trouble for it. Um, and so we have the system of a trusted adult that you has to like hear it. And then also too, again, if you're going to use a word like crap or damn, you darn well better know how to use it. And the first step is look around to see if a parent or teacher is around before you use it. Like that would be a very good use. You know what I mean? Because otherwise who's going to get in trouble? You are, you know what I'm saying? Like, do I know that all kids do it? Sure. I know that they all do it, but they all have the, the cognitive you know, awareness of being able to look around and be like, yep, no teacher or parent around. So I can say, ah, crap, you know, so we've done that. Logan also is very big. He asks everything. So he wants to know why he can't do certain things. So like if I'm watching a show like by myself on my iPad with headphones, he'll ask, his first question to me usually is like, is that appropriate for kids? <laughs> <laughs> and if I tell him no, the answer, if I tell him, I'm like, no. And then he's like, well, why not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then my husband's been really into reading The Witcher lately. And Logan's like, can I read The Witcher? And Scott's like, no, not appropriate. Yeah. He's like, why not? So then he tries to go and sneak the book. I'm like, you can't do that. It's not appropriate. <laughs> I totally, I hear exactly what you're saying. But here's the cool thing. You know, you can, depending on your child's function and ability, it's really good to be able to have that dialogue about, like, if this is kid appropriate and you can use it. That's yeah, he's really good about that. He'll ask. Yes. And then I think what you're saying, Tanya, is you have to be prepared to explain to them why it's not. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to, well, I'll tell you when you're older or, you know what I mean? Like, not that you want to go into graphic, like what you're saying, Geraldine. You don't want to go into graphic details about stuff, but you're going to give the first grade, like, or kindergarten version of why it's just not a good idea. Um, In our family, we have struggled. And I don't know if you guys, um, Geraldine, I have to think that your neurotypical son is just a little angel because he is involved in Isaac Foundation Sibling Spot and he is just the sweetest kid. Um, and Tanya, your oldest is actually your one on the spectrum. But in my house, it's a little bit dicier because I had two teenage boys. Um, and a lot of times they are the bad influence because they are the ones that are trying to teach him how to use some of these like slang and words. Um, and just not too long ago, I was telling you guys before we went live that, you know, he was teaching Caleb like, Hey, you, you know what? Here's a good line for some of your friends, you know, something about tickling a pickle and like for a dime. And I was just like, Whoa, like again, stop, 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 stop. Okay. A trusted adult, not your brother. That is not considered your brother. So, you know, we, you know, all joking aside, we've had to have some conversations with the boys because while you think it's funny, you have to understand how something like that would roll out. That would be considered like sexually, you know, like inappropriate if he was to go to school and say that, I mean, not okay. Well, Logan can be a bad influence on his little brother. Oh, do tell us. Who is seven and in first grade. Because the other day I go into the bathroom and I see my seven-year-old who's now sitting here with me um, sticking his head in the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? And he tells me, he's like, I lost a challenge. Oh, you lost a challenge. (laughs) Where apparently his consequence for losing a challenge, according to his... And your old brother with autism was he had to stick his head in the toilet. <laughs> wow, buddy. Oh, well, you know, I hope that was a learning lesson that we don't ever yeah. have to put our <laughs> head in a take toilet. Take a bath immediately and wash your hair. Yes, we're going to just take a shower. So, 
That's awesome. What about you, Jerlyn? Do you have instances? Like I said, I think that Emmanuel, your older, I guess he's your younger son. I'm sorry. He's younger, yeah. Younger, your younger son. He is just seems like such a sweet kid. Um, probably not the devious little like um, you know, menaces that my two teenage boys can be at times. He's. I think the issue though is just he's so oversensitive to to his brother and the things that his brother does. I think I was talking about that on like one of the other last podcasts. He's just um, he gets really embarrassed easily about the stuff his brother does. But I mean, he has his moments for sure. Like he he does things to like torture his brother, and I didn't. You know, maybe I was clueless because I mean, Emmanuel's generally just really sweet and just such a a nice, nice kid. I mean, he really is. I'm. I don't know how I got so lucky to have like two kids that generally don't really like make any trouble or anything. Um, but he was trying to like give his brother a hug the other day, and I kind of felt bad. He's like, "I'm just doing it to make him mad, mom." I'm like, <laughs> "What?" Oh. I'm like, "You, Emmanuel? Like, you're really just doing this to make him mad?" And um, I guess, I mean, he will do that every once in a while, but he doesn't try to, usually he takes more of the role as like another parent. And I keep ha- trying to make sure he's not doing that, but Emmanuel's more the one that he's going to take responsibility or he'll get him or he'll get embarrassed. So, sure. Uh, well, <clears throat> I'm going to share one other example. I, I don't think you guys have the same experience, but I have it. So I want to make sure I put it out there for those that are listening. Um, you know, Caleb is in the sixth grade and, you know, he, like Allison, has um, had different friends over the years and not all of them have had um, the best of intentions. Um, but what I do want to make sure that I throw out here is, is that so um, my son Caleb at his previous school was actually befriended by two of the most challenging, troublemaking, in some cases, bullying uh, students in the entire school. And, um, it was one of those things where as a parent, like initially it was just like, it was like being kicked in the stomach because in my mind, I'm just kind of thinking, oh my gosh, like they're going to put him up to things that, you know, and tell him and teach him things that we don't want him taught. And he doesn't have the discerning ability to be able to think good idea or bad idea. You know, he doesn't think long you know, long-term to think about what the consequences for his actions will be. I mean, he is very empathetic, but yet, you know, he really struggles with picturing the future and how things will play out should, you know, A happen, this is how the outcome will be. So when he was befriended by these two challenging young men um, at his last school district, it was just, like I said, it was like being kicked in the stomach because I was just constantly, and it's not like, you know, like with you guys too, it's not like, you know, he comes, Caleb comes home and shares every detail of every day, right? It's just kind of like, you know, um, you know, he just his ability to really relay some of that information was limited. And so I was just having to rely on reports I was getting from my older son who was in the same school at that still at that time. And so it was just really, um, really stressful. And um, in my mind, I'm trying to figure out a way to break up this relationship. Because again, in my mind, I was just always very cognizant of just the challenges and the bad things that Caleb would be learning and potentially being, you know, things being suggested to him. But, um, and I'm not saying that that didn't happen ever, 
But I will say that, you know, two things positive that came from that is, is that we then had to have conversations with Caleb about him learning, um, you know, that whole trying to get him to think about how something, how his actions or how certain things will make people feel. And then having to play some of those, you know, um, role playing activities um, so that he could understand that. But I will tell you that, like, um, so that was a positive. And then um, the second thing that actually ended up turning out to be a real positive is that because um almost every single student and probably even a couple of the adults in that school were afraid of um, one in particular. Um, no one messed with my kid. You know what I'm saying? So while be it, um, you know, like it wasn't my optimum, like his social circle wasn't optimum. He wasn't, he had some protection from some other stuff that probably wouldn't have been there had it not been for the fact that like a lot of people like had a very wide berth from this particular, these particular young men, because they, you know, had their, they were spicy, I guess you could say. The other thing, um, long term that ended up being a positive thing out of it is that, um, you know, we did accept a birthday invitation to go to a birthday party for one of these kiddos. And while it was, um, it was sad because of just how that family functioned, I was really happy that we could be there for him. And, you know, that we showed that we showed up, nobody else came other than just, you know, some family and stuff, but we were the only, he, it was, Caleb was the only friend that came. And, um, I think it really made a positive impact for this young man. And so I hope that my hope is we've lost contact with them because we switched schools. Um, but my hope is, is that Caleb actually was a positive influence on this kiddo. And while be it, Caleb did end up getting more out of the relationship than the bad stuff. Um, and I do think that it was, you know, this kid, you know, at the root of it was actually truly Caleb just didn't, wasn't afraid of him like the other kids were. And Caleb also didn't um, hold certain things against him. So that was kind of nice. So I guess I could say is that, you know, not all, maybe what we would perceive as bad influences are always a hundred percent bad. There's some like positive things that are mixed in there. So I just thought that it would be worth at least sharing that. Um, before we wrap up this particular podcast, is there anything that you as a takeaway that you found that we haven't already talked about that you kind of a lesson learned or something that you found was to be helpful when you're dealing with, um, you know, trying to protect your kiddo or steer them in a better direction or, you know, um, even just in that friendship realm? Um, for me, I would just say that um, with my son, because he's conversational, it's really easy just to be able to like have honest conversations with him. And he's usually pretty good at listening. Sometimes he doesn't like my answers to not being able to um, be a part of something he wants to. Like he doesn't, he's really into the video game Roblox and I won't let, I turn off the chat part. He's not allowed to chat with anyone on it. I think you're so smart on that. Yes. yes. On one and hand, chatting is nice because they practice like, you know, like writing and stuff, but it's just far worse. It's not, that's not the place to get them it's writing. It's not real writing. It's not Even, real writing. <laughs> no. Not. And so I was like, but he, for, so when he initially, he was really upset with me because I wouldn't let turn on that feature, but he's come to accept it now. And he doesn't ask me anymore. But for the longest time, I was like, no, I'm not doing that because you don't know who you're talking to on the internet. Yes, totally. I tried to explain to him how people can like pretend that they're like the same age as you, but they could really be an adult and trying to get him to be able to grasp that concept that not everyone's who they say they are. 
Yes, actually, I have found a couple of online tools for helping them, you know, for them to understand that, like, this is what they're saying, but this is actually the person that it is, you know what I mean? And then they're like, oh, that's disgusting. But again, because, you know, black and white thinking and not understanding that what people say isn't actually the truth is really complicated. So I did find some online tools, like some online things that we're talking about, like those, you know, people that are preying on these young people. So that was helpful. Um, Jerry Lynn, do you have any like gems of wisdom or things? Um, um, I don't think it's a gem of wisdom. I just know like my, my strategy for my son would definitely be a little bit different. Um, he's sometimes conversational, I guess. I mean, he's definitely like improved over the years, but you know, one when thing he's that's motivated, also, right? Jerry Lynn, he'll be yeah, exactly when he's motivated. If he has something to talk about, if he has something to say, if it, yeah, if it's about like the toy that he wants. Like he, yeah. Or the latest technology he would like you to purchase for him. (laughs) Absolutely. Or he'll draw pictures of it too. Like sometimes he'll communicate that way. He'll draw, he can draw every phone that every smartphone that there is. So if you show him your phone one time, he'll label it like, this is Holly's phone. This is Tanya's phone. Like he will know that that's your phone. Oh my gosh, Jerilyn, we have a little connection on that because while that is Elian's kind of go-to and he knows all the different phones, like for in our world, my husband, John's son, Cooper, it's he associates everybody with the car they drive so but isn't that alien too he yeah. used to memorize license plates yeah so i couldn't remember mine one time and he's like he told me because i had to write it on something and he just knew what it was oh, he knows lucky mom yeah so but his when there's something that i really wanted to instill in him because he's very like black and white it's kind of been more like kind of like a drilling kill kind of a situation. Like if I can have him like understand and memorize, like this is what you do in this kind of situation, or, you know, you don't talk to people that you don't know, or, you know, you don't like maybe when he's an adult, like don't give money to people that you don't know. You have to ask me first or you, I I feel like that will be really helpful, you know, as he gets older, because he knows like if I'm telling him something like that, then it's something he knows that is important um, because I can still ask him to this day, Elian, if your bus doesn't come by this time, what do you do? I call mom. Like he just knows like that's, that's what you do. That's, that's the answer to that question. Um, do you talk to people you don't know? No, I don't talk to strangers. And so, I mean, I think for him, I mean, to try to, prevent those kind of situations. It's really important that I have those kinds of conversations with him because that, those little things, I know those little one-liners, I know he'll remember more. Yeah. That's a really yeah. good point. All right. I'm not going to do my usual wrap up here because I have to call David tomorrow and have him tag on his recent story about how he created a character at Roblox because people were like, messing Oh with yeah. Morgan. So I was going to, he could remember him. Here yeah, exactly. And he was just like, wait, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, remember you sent me a text. Like I have, it was the text message was like, I've hit an all time low. I have now created a profile to go into these rooms and Roblox. To, kids. Yeah. To like, <laughs> get kids that like quit being jerks to my daughter. And I'm like, Oh gosh, that's a good story. Okay. So my final guest that's joining me is David and you have probably one of the most unique stories that just made me laugh and just like, just appreciate you as a parent because you shared with me and you sent me a text message kind of explaining that you kind of have hit kind of an all new um, place as a parent where um, you did something you've never done before. Do you want to tell us that story? in terms of protecting your kiddo from bullies, if you will. 
Yeah, I went all Papa Bear and a bit nuclear. I actually started previous to that particular day. So just to kind of engage with uh, Morgan, who's 12 and on the spectrum, um, she loves playing games on Roblox. And so um, from time to time, her and I will play together. Sometimes if I'm on the road and I see she's on there, I just pop in a surprise her. But there was one day on a particular uh, game where some of uh, the other participants and their kids were doing some good natured needling of her. The thing is she doesn't understand that she thinks they are. Um, it's kind of a personal attack and she's getting really agitated and I could tell. Um, and so I was actually on there with her. And so I went up <laughs> to these characters with my own and you can just type out and unscript and say things, to these other guys. And uh, I said, guys, you need to leave her alone. Um, you may not know this, but she's on the autism spectrum and uh, she doesn't understand, you know, the teasing that's going on. And one of them pops up and says, well, who are you? And so in all caps, I just put it, I am her father. <laughs> and just in that particular instance, they completely backed off like, oh, geez, you know, sorry. So that was the one experience. So then fast forward about a month later. And again, the same type of thing is going on. And there are several of them. And it's a little bit more mean-spirited. And so I see this. So I grab her iPad. And I take over as her character. And I said, look, this is now her father. And this is a kid who's on the autism spectrum. And what you're doing is hard for her to understand and comprehend. And these kids couldn't have cared less. I mean, like... And I mean, it would, you know, have got fit into tonight's subject too about preconceived notions. No way she was because of the way she was interacting. I'm like, it has nothing to do with how she was interacting with you. It has everything to do with how she's feeling right now, what she's going through. And like, oh, too bad. Oh, BS, all this stuff. Then I put hers down on my own. And I came back and I said, okay, if you, if you are not, you know, if you question the legitimacy of this whole thing, I am now back and this is, is her father. And again, they couldn't have cared less. Some of them were being so mean-spirited and it was really disheartening. And you would think, you know, I kind of am the adult in the room here. Maybe I should disengage. And I just kept going after it. I'm just saying, you know, I really hope that you, um, you know, I, A, I'm going to report you, which I don't know who the heck you report to. I would first think about reporting that. But like, you're all being reported. I've taken screenshots of this interaction. Every one of you is going to get... Um, uh, feedback and messaging from the, the creators of Roblox and it's going to go to your parents <laughs> and they could see right through me. And I just say, and I said, you know, I hope someday you could see in your heart specifically what you're doing. And again, the interaction was so disappointing. Kids like, we don't care too bad, this type of a thing. And I was just, I, I had just about come unglued. And, um, I, uh, in thinking about it today, again, you know, you replay, uh, you've probably seen there's interactions that you wish you could go back to throughout your life that were emotional. Oh, if I had just thought of saying this at that moment, it would have been. And again, I don't think this would have had any effect, but I just would have liked to have gone back and said, look, you guys, um, this is absolutely legitimate. And you may, you know, want to put on a front as a tough guy or whatever. Right now, I'm hoping someday you can see in your heart specifically you know, how this affects people, what kind of effect your words have on people. Again, who knows of the 30 some odd people that were engaged there, like maybe one or two would have gotten the message. But I mean, I lost my you know what on these kids. And uh, I was certainly not playing the adult in that circumstance. Yeah, but it's hard. I've, I've been there, you know, where Kayla was, you know, playing, a, you know, 
a, a game on on his PlayStation, and it was you know it, it's more of a child game. Like um, I can't even remember the like big, big, little Big Planet or something like that. And somehow they can chat between each other, and you know he's got his little headset on, and um, you know like I'm overhearing kind of his side of the conversation. I don't like what I'm hearing, so you know I'm in there and I'm trying to figure out like how do I talk to this person because like I'm so mad as a person. And in this particular instance, you know I think when you interact with Caleb after a period of time, because you can hear his voice and you can just the, how he responds. I think people figure out pretty quickly that like, Oh, okay. Like something's a little, you know, he's a little different. There's a little, there's differences there. Well, this kid was trying to get him to, um, you know, like give him all of his like, like money, like the money in the game and transfer all of that stuff. And it's like, you know, saying, well, you know, like I know you don't have any friends, but I could be your friend, but I'm only going to be your friend if you do X, Y, and Z. And it was just like, I just lost my marbles. Um, same sort of thing because it's like, you know, you know that he's, you know, not your typical um, player and yet to then do it. And it, and it was a teenager. It was a teenager. Cause then I'm yelling at my son from the other room. I need your help right now. Like, tell me how, like, how do we interact with this person and, and report the whole thing? And so I'm with you, David, it's hard to not get angry. And also it's hard because, you know, when you're looking like when you're talking about 30 people there and it's like, maybe a couple of them got it, but by and large, it's like you're, it's just, um, disheartening in terms of kind of how some of those messages are received and whether or not in the future, would they do something different? I hope they would, but you just never know. Um, so, oh, you I know, I, I'm glad I didn't go to where I wanted to go, uh, where I really wanted to go is like, this is an indictment of your parents and your parents should be disappointed in themselves for raising such shitty little kids. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's really, really where I wanted to go. Oh. And, um, you know, I step, I step back enough to know that, you know, sometimes kids act out on their own. It's not necessarily a product of parenting, but I just wanted to keep hitting them. And the thing is, you know, at some point I had to decide who was the adult in this situation. And, you know, I was shaking afterward. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that was the thing is you said, Holly, they were taking advantage of her. They were like, okay, we'll trade you this for this. You just need to hand over the money. And she did. And then they didn't, they didn't um, yeah. complete their end of the transaction. And, you know, it's just, it's heartbreaking because they just have, you know, limited capacity for understanding why somebody would do that to them. Exactly. And that's just it. And then of course you want them to be able to trust people, um, you know, and yet when they have that negative experience, it's really difficult for them to, you know, there could be this really, you know, very genuine gesture out there. Um, but began again, because, you know, negative, uh, negative, associate, those negative experiences really become hardwired and are very prevalent. So it's hard for them to get over and move beyond it. But anyway, well, I appreciate David, you being willing to share that story because like I said, I've had a meltdown moment when I, and again, if, I wish I, somebody was recording it. Cause like, I don't know anything about video game consoles. So I'm trying to figure out like, what's the part, what do you speak into here? How do I communicate with this person? Cause I was so mad and trying to figure out like, how, how did these speakers work? And so I had to literally get one of the teenagers out there to help me. Cause I was so, you're, I was shaking um, because I was so angry. So I, Again, when you texted me that, I was just kind of like that. You definitely have to share that story on our podcast. So I appreciate that you were willing to do that. All right. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism Wild Podcast. Thanks for joining. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.